or DT rather. John's not on the show today, but uh, DT will be on momentarily. I'm going to keep it down to three, but I did want to bring you on. It's just going to be me and DT, but I was going to bring you on because of the topic you bring up of Rapid City because I know you like the town. I do. I like it a lot. Yeah. 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 So um, I was, I'm out here uh, and it was part vacation, part to look for property because I am now making my move to escape from Minneapolis. Um, I'm selling my house. Wow. Yep. And there's going to be a, cause I paid it down. So there's going to be a fair amount of cash coming my way. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm going to have any capital gains because I put a lot of maintenance and repairs into it. And if I do, I'm not going to use my one-time exemption on this. So I'm going to have this wallop of cash. And the, the goal was to buy a condo, uh, pretty close to the, the girlfriend's place of work so she wouldn't have this commute anymore. And it'd be a temporary stop, stop get measure until we retire and all that. In the meantime, before property prices get any more insane out here, I'm like, I better go buy a piece of land uh, for the future house that I want to live in in South Dakota. Right. And um, we had put three offers on three condos in the Twin Cities, and we all either got outbid or somebody had already made an offer and was already accepted uh, out there. And I w- I'm starting to get pissed off. I'm like, okay, fine. More money for my South Dakota place. So I come out here and the prices are even worse. Uh, See, that's weird because I, I went on, on you know, like Zello and, and some of those sites. And I was looking at homes out there mm-hmm. and I, I thought the prices were, were okay. Well, you know, did, you see, did you see what the homes looked like? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, more appreciate it than you know where I'm living here in Wisconsin. But I, I didn't think it was. But then again, like on the map, um, I don't know what that neighborhood really looks like. You know, like it'll say here, and there's kind of a cluster of homes. But I mean, they they were more like early 2000s that they were built. Um, you know, so you're probably looking at having to do a roof and some other stuff with them, but. I don't know. That was like in the three to four hundred thousand dollar range. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. I think I think that's appallingly expensive for this town. But you know, the market is what it is. Because I remember you could get a house for one hundred fifty. Of course, yeah. I didn't have one hundred fifty on me at the time. Uh, but these houses are it, it's well, it's insane. Yeah, you know something else. I I was um, I don't know if I was watching a show. I think I was watching some doc some show where they said. Rapid City in the last year, they passed more ordinances because they really didn't have many building ordinances uh, up until, you know, just like the last year or two. So a lot of homes <laughs> weren't ever being inspected for like electrical or plumbing and then also mm-hmm. businesses and stuff. So they said there, there were a lot of pretty shoddy craftsmanship, um, you know, so they were having that issue with the rapid build out here in the last few years that they had to get a handle on that because basically anything was going and no one was checking on anything. Yeah, no, and it, and it shows because basically you got your choice between ranches, uh, trailer trash homes, or really crappy homes from the 70s, uh, or brand new construction, which is now at 300 on average, and I've seen them up to a million, depending on how high up the hills and the mountains you are. And I'm like, you know, here I was thinking I was going to be, you know, big city boy slim walking in with my, my bag of cash and I was going to buy these yokels, you know, I was going to buy half a rapid city with my city money. And I'm looking at some more expensive here than it is back home. I'm like, what in hell's name? 
And so I know, like you're, you're, you even asked the wife if you could move out here, right? Like ran it past her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of it is well, (laughs) I, I, you know, I don't think it's a rule out, but part of it is like we live uh, equidistant from her mom. Her dad had passed away of a heart attack, uh, you know, a number of years ago, and and my parents, and you know, so realistically, um, they're you know they're you know like eighty, so. I think part of it is too of where we would move relative to where the where they are. So you know, I, I don't know how what their life. The, the old the, the the parents. Where do they live? I mean, you don't have to give me the the address, but I mean, yeah. I mean, what well, states are they in? Yeah, they're in Wisconsin. I mean, down southern Wisconsin, and then more toward central Wisconsin. Well, to hell with them. What Wisconsin sucks. Tell them to, look. I. I am not letting my parents hold me back. There's no way. My parents, I'm like, oh, are you having troubles? I guess you better get your ass to Rapid City or Vegas because I'm not coming to Wisconsin no more. I, I can't. Could you have any leeway to, or leverage? To, I mean, are they, are they, um, do yeah, they I need mean, extra care or what? No, no. And actually, my parents winter in Alabama. I mean, so they'll pack up and take off and they won't even be, be around. But yeah, no, I've, I've, and part of it too is, um, you know, with my girls and where they're at in school and what would be a good break as far as like making them, making a move. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I loved it out there, you know, and, and spent quite a bit of time, you know, kind of che- checking out places. Um, I like the Caputa area. I don't know if you're familiar with it, yeah, but I'm very okay. familiar. I'll tell you why in a second. Go ahead. Why do you like Caputa? Um, I, well, I like that it is, you know, it's off the beaten path and you're halfway between the Badlands and in South Dakota and, and you're flat. And then also the prop, we, we looked at some properties. I mean, there wasn't anything built. I mean, it was land, but there was a stream that went through. So like these four properties all had water rights to this small stream. I mean, you would, you'd never get screwed over and flooded by this thing. I mean, it wasn't that big, but it was, it was really nice. And then um, Caputa, it, there was a brand new fire station and it seemed like they had some investment in, you know, kind of their government infrastructure, even though it's unincorporated. Mm. I just, I, I just really liked it. I mean, I thought it was really scenic. It was close to rapid city, but you weren't right there and, you know, it could get some land and I don't, and the people were nice. I mean, so, you know, we, we specifically went there to meet with one rancher. Uh, so my girls could spend some time and. Oh, really? The emu? Wait, was it the emu ranch? <laughs> It was it was the alpaca guy. Glenn. I drove right past it on my way to the Badlands. I looked at those uh, alpacas. I'm like, hey, I should take a picture. I wonder if, if we were uh, there. That's it. So it's there. It's close <laughs> to that. Yeah, and and that guy's awesome, by the way. You know, he's uh, he's like in his late fifties, and he worked in healthcare and retired. And and I think those alpacas, he has like a 180 or something, but they're like eight thousand bucks a piece, or they're pretty expensive. Really. Um, so yeah, but he was cool. Like we went out, we scheduled ahead of time, and he let us out onto the the range and with some feed, so the girls got to hang out. But I spent time just with him for like you know a couple hours, and we were talking about the properties out there and some stuff. And then I did more, you know, kind of the stuff with checking out the realtors and things like right. that. And did you uh, you stop in at TK's, the one bar in Caputa? I I didn't, although he recommended he recommend he he said the. Uh, like the person, I don't know who who Ken. did the cooking. Just like one of his his 
waitress or whatever just quit. So he's like, you know, it'll probably be quite a while <laughs> if you're trying, if you're ordering food and we we're going to order food. So I said, now nah, we'll just go somewhere else. But um, yeah, I, I really see like that for me would be perfect because the drive in and out of uh, of Rapid City would be no problem. Well, okay, you're willing to live further away from Rapid City than I was, so I because yeah, I, I mean, if you get out far enough, yeah, you could find cheap land. I thought you meant like within the well, city, no, or I, I, I like, the, yeah, the city. You know, I definitely like the the city too. I mean, I and I don't know like the areas if it's more like down because I mean, as as you go on the interstate, you know, that's that you know where the Holiday Inns and Best Westerns and all of that stuff has sprung up. And then there's some, some, you know, housing and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I don't know what's a good place to live. Well, trust you me, I could tell you the good places to live. I've been like, because I've been out here before. I've spent cumulatively six months, but I've definitely been tearing it up, quote, during my vacation, which is why we didn't have a podcast last week. Um, but no, I've not seen a weirder housing. Now, if you get far, and for, for people, especially Atham, because he's looking it up as we speak right now, for people who don't know the layout, there's Rapid City, and then almost 20 miles, I'd say, 25 miles maybe to the what to the east of rapid city is caputo which is just this, it's a crossroads it's, it's, it's nothing there's a right. bar and, and right. an emu a plant right. of course right um but if you get if you're in that area my my goal was to buy property right across from the airport so i could land and walk to my house and then just you know unlock my door and uh hop in my car and go uh, but I found out, which surprised me that you actually found some land that was for sale, but I guess it was further out. But all you got out there is ranchers and farmers. And when they sell land, it's by, you know, 400 acres a piece. You just can't buy an acre or anything like that, unless you're willing to live in a trailer park, which I'm not, which is about the only other housing option available out there east of Rapid City. But then you get into the town of Rapid City, Unless you're on the north and east side, which is the ghetto, you do not want to live there. Um, not that it's that bad; it's just trash. It's just it, it's it's ugly. Um, yeah. But yeah. then immediately you're how you're you're looking at minimum two fifty and up, and you're you're now you're just looking at city prices as well. So I'm not going to say where I might have found a property. Um, there were some initial hopes and expectations, and they were dashed. And there were initial hopes and expectations, and they were dashed. And I'll tell you why they were dashed. They were dashed because of the cult, the cult, otherwise known as the HOA. They all have to have really? HOA. So if it's if it's not farmland, okay, fine. If it's not a trailer park, okay, fine. And if you're going to go for a single home that's already pre-built in 1972 and, and is in pretty shy condition, uh, you can't do it. But if you want to buy land and get new construction, I want to get land, put my own little bachelor pad on it. I have a kind of a design. Any lots that are for sale that have utilities ran out to them, there's some HOA cult that's attached to it. And, oh, my gosh, I didn't even know what covenants were. You guys know what covenants are? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. DT, you ever hear of covenants? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't have them where you live, though. No, we barely have ordinances. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have them. We don't have them here either. Right. Well, I was, I was thinking it's South Dakota, you know, the American West, Sturgis Rally, Freedom, and uh, America, and all. Oh, no. They, you have, there was one development I was looking at, and it said that you had to have, like, Tuscan tones and Andalusian, like, all these words I had to look up to say, hmm. what in God's name are they talking about? And you can't build out here. Not, not, not what you want. It has to be the cookie-cutter uh, Lego house that they want you to have. But I've had 
an insane amount of difficulty just finding property that isn't uh, uh, overregulated with HOAs and covenants. And right before I started the podcast, my realtor out here says, hey, take a look at this thing. And I went there. And this this one so far has the most potential, but it's got to have a septic system put in. It has to have a road built. But that's that's what I'm finding out is game for the course out here. Because any new construction, they're building out the infrastructure. They haven't put in any roads. Heck, you're going down gravel roads half the time anyway. Um, so I'm not I'm not getting too excited because of the cost of infrastructure and the landscaping and all this other stuff. But uh, there's a slightly better chance I'll be a property owner in South Dakota sooner than I am uh, getting a damn condo over in the Twin Cities as it is right now. Yeah, if you want to do what you want, you pretty much have to be uh, where there's no utilities. I think if a developer is investing the money into providing water and sewer and whatever, mm-hmm. um, to get that value back, he needs to attract people that you know will pay a good price and they'll only pay a good price if they make sure that neighbors aren't doing whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's why HOAs exist. And, and yeah, the only way I think the only way you can get around that is just to find some rural lot where maybe you have to pay for, you know, power to get to it. And, you know, all of that driveway, everything. Right. Well, and you can, you could find, there was one, there's a $12,000 piece of land way the hell in the middle of the black Hills. And there's no water in it. And I was thinking like, well, man, what if I did the electric thing? You know, what if I got solar panels? What if I had a septic truck come out? What if I had a propane tank brought in? I'd be like Hank Hill with Strickland propane. Right. And and then I just, and I'm thinking like, well, that might be having logistics and all that. And But then the time you got to spend, you're, you're really just driving an extra 45 hour to get to Rapid City, you know, to get to the one Walmart in right. the tri-state area. And then it, it almost becomes unfeasible. But um you could the, always the, make human manure. I can what? Human manure. You don't need to have the septic system. Yeah, you just get a composting toilet, you know? Right. <laughs> Instead they, of growing your no, crops. Didn't, your didn't, they try, <laughs> didn't they try, uh, like, they used human feces for manure and, uh, like, you'd, some kind of disease comes from that? It's not well, good for the crops? Yeah, if you don't do it right, then, yeah, you're going to get sick. <laughs> but... <laughs> But yeah, you can you can yeah. compost your manure if you know what you're doing, huh? Yeah, I, I bought a book a, on it. Yeah. I, when I thought the world was going to end, I bought a book about human manure. They call it human manure. <laughs> no kid. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, if the world goes to shit, I better find out a way to deal with my shit. Well, wait, wait. Okay, so what do you do? You got to treat it with something, and then you can actually use it to grow food, and it won't give you a disease or anything. No, no it's all about. I mean, it's about, and it's just like any composting. You got to make sure you have the right percentage of green versus brown. And so your shit is green, even if it doesn't look green. It's green, and and the brown is like um, you can use newspapers, uh, dried leaves, anything that's kind of dried out and doesn't have anything living in it anymore. And what happens is, is when it's composting, it gets to a certain temperature, temperature, and it kills all the bugs. It kills all the pathogens and everything. That's just like any any compost that you make. But obviously, with with uh, human feces, you got to be you got to make sure you're getting that temperature to kill everything off. Look at the value of service we're providing to these young boys. And girls <laughs> if the world collapses, how can I use my shit? Well, guys, here you got DT. 
<laughs> I was listening to a podcast of uh, these people on the tiny house movement. And uh, that's nothing I have an interest in, by the way, you know, like to live in a 115 square foot home or something like that. But, um, but man, you know, like, it seems like there's so many compromises, like with in Colorado is, is kind of like, where at least people are flocking right now. Some of them were in Minnesota, actually, but they said the in, um, insulation regulations were so strict in Minnesota that they ended up having to build the walls like six or eight inches thick on these things. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you've, if you either of you have heard of this tiny house movement. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. So, but it was interesting because I'm listening. I listened to a few shows because I, I was just, you know, the architecture and things, I guess how they would have to build. But most of the people that had these, even though they were championing them, were, were definitely complaining about like mold and like, you know, not having <laughs> storage and, and every, you know, the, all of these things. Um, and I'm like, couldn't you just go with like a 500 square foot home and still, I mean, then you have room. You don't have to double up your, you know, your Dude, you, couch you, as a ironing board and all this I other don't, stuff. I don't understand the tiny house thing. It's called a trailer. I mean, right. if you want a tiny <laughs> house, why, it, it's a fucking trailer. Why, why are you spending $120,000 and that's what they're spending. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I exactly. mean, to build it's these crazy. things. And then, and then they're all, they're complaining about, oh, there's no, you know, it's no one is specializing in building, you know, this, or it doesn't give off. There's all kinds of people specializing. They're called trailers. <laughs> it's called a trailer park. Guys, but that's not cute. That's not a fashion statement. I mean, right. look at the generation who buys this. They have to have their, their Converse sneakers and their salmon colored jeans and they have to have their perfectly groomed and unique beards and their tattoos. They have to be special. You you know there's just going to be a flood of those things hitting the market when these guys have, like, their first kit. And they realize there's no way to live in those things with a kit. And then there will be a market for contractors that connect tiny houses together <laughs> to make a normal size house. Oh. <laughs> They're yeah, going to tear those down. Yeah, it, it's insane. Yeah, I'm kind of like the same thing. When we grew up, we had a, we had a camper, you know, up north. Which was the equivalent of you know the tiny house, but these these people that live, and, and yeah, if they actually listen to their own narrative, that's the thing. I'm I'm listening to this and I'm like, man, like you hate living in this thing, and yet they're like, <laughs> this is great. Like you know, we build this, but but yet we come home and then you know you trip on the steps because there isn't this you know porch area, and you try to you don't have a place to put your groceries and mold, and then the, your water tank gets moldy inside, and I'm like, that sucks. Like don't do it. Like what? You know, like if you uh, like there's there's other options, you know, so no, but we're yeah, just like Aaron, like you said, I mean, just this is a movement. We want to we want to make sure we were having a little footprint on the earth. And I'm like, no, I don't think you're doing it No, They'll be there for a year or two. And then they're in a bigger place. And although I got a, I kind of got to face that problem here, because when you go into these developments, they have like builders that, you know, pre-designed homes. And the problem mm-hmm. I'm facing right now is, okay, I've always wanted to live in the Black Hills. Um, everyone, you know, there's a couple candidates for, for night. There's, I've seen like three or four pieces of property that would qualify for Cappy's dream home. Um, but my, quote, dream home, it's not going to be that big, but it, it it's going to be uniquely designed. But then that's the problem is you got to design it, whereas as much as I dislike the cookie cutter pre laid out pre not prefab but you know builders have these 
uh, right. designs. Right. These, yeah, they got these floor plans. They've built a hundred of them, so they can bang them out through uh, scales, ec- economies of scales and efficiencies. That their tradesmen know how to how to do it a thousand times over. So there's a an increase in the quality of the craft. And I really want this kind of like a James Bond villain layout. Not that big, uh, probably. 1200 square feet, two bedroom, two bath, nothing fancy, but I want a curved, uh, one entire wall. It's going to be long, kind of almost clamshell, uh, like, like an arc. <clears throat> and the wall facing the view is just going to be all windows. Okay. Fi- you know, fireplace in the middle, uh, that is wide enough and see through that. It separates, you know, two parts of that arc, uh, on one side, is the living room where James Bond, the villain, would uh, sip his whiskey and, and explain his, his evil diabolical plans to a chain James Bond. Ah, Dr. Bond. That's where I would give my speech and tell him how I was going to take over the world. Kitchen behind, you can still look out. Yeah. On the other side of the fireplace, a bedroom, and then the bathroom behind that. And behind all that is the garage. And I'm thinking... There's going to be so much that goes wrong with it, like those little houses. Like That is not a design. No one has the layouts and the blueprints for that, <laughs> and thousands of those have not been built. And I almost guarantee you there's going to be shit going wrong, and now I'm wondering, do I just want to buy the house with the bay windows facing the area, you know, that kind of thing. You should look into the, um, the concrete forms that you can make houses out of. It's basically uh, styrofoam separated with rebar, and they, and they pour concrete in. They were... They, First came on the market maybe like ten years ago, and um, you might want to look into that because doing curved walls with wood is obviously difficult. But I would think concrete maybe would be um, it would be more possible. And then basically they just put them together. They they um, the material it's almost like putting together Legos, and and they've got these blocks and they'll cut them to size. I mean they're just cutting styrofoam basically, and then they pour the they put rebar in. And they and they pour the concrete, so you got poured concrete walls with mm. the insulation on the outside and the inside. And uh, if I was going to build, that's probably what I'd look at is some kind of concrete house because they're just they cut out the sound. They're good insulation. Uh, you know, they last a really long time. Um, stormproof, I guess, too. No, and, yeah. Well, the good news is, is I'm not going to be there during winter. One of the main things is I want a water shutoff valve where there's no way if I shut that off, there's no flooding. None. Right. I want to be shut that thing down off to Vegas gone. Um, unless I rent it out to a buddy or something, but uh, I'm not worried too much about insulation. I'm, I'm more insulation during the summer when it's hot, right. but yeah, Cappy's not doing winters no more uh, here ever. We've got a follow-up question from the super chats on your dream home. Uh, do but, we have a super chat already? Yep. Um, okay, go ahead. L- LJ Lion has donated $2, a uh, dollar each time. He tested it out first. Now he's got another dollar. Will there be a bear-skinned rug? Oh, yeah, I think there will be. Um, it, it Maybe, maybe. Uh, you know, it's kind of like anybody else's dreams. Where, like there will be. No, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Well, there's there's the dream, and, and then all of a sudden that moment comes upon you where it's like, hey, your dream might actually be realized. And you're like, oh, shit, i got to figure out the details, like bearskin rugs and 
uh, where do I want the bathroom? You know, you just have this very general topic. Like, yes, I would like to live out in South Dakota. And yes, <laughs> I'd like this cool schwanky place where I could smoke cigars and look at the Black Hills. All of a sudden, now that's becoming a reality, you know, this has been a 40 year, well, 43, right. but, you know, this has been a long marathon. It's like, oh, crap. Now it's the time to actually start thinking about this stuff. And now you realize there's all these like architecture and, and designing and all that. So I, I really haven't gotten there yet. Right now, I just want to buy the property uh, that will work and not have a cult association attached with it. I can more or less build what yeah. I want. And then um, then I'll worry about the layout. But, yeah, I got I to gotta start drafting up plans and think what I want. I got to go watch HGTV and not be <laughs> gay. <laughs> you should do a show, right? <laughs> yeah, the dumbass bachelor who doesn't know what house he wants. Yeah, exactly, and all the women will be like, "What? Look at that kitchen!" Uh. <laughs> you know, we, we've got you know a traditional ranch home, you know, so so the roof is just you know traditional ranch, and 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 that you can't find that anymore. I was talking to a couple of my friends that are builders, and actually a couple of friends that are firefighters, and they're like, "God, like you know any any place that's built in the last ten years, the roof is so." bizarre you know to try to get a ladder up on it and to try to do anything and, and to re-roof these things after a hailstorm you know like mine is straightforward tra- you know traditional and and yeah the new stuff is it's all it's all uh forced what perspective type stuff you know to make the places look bigger and well and you mean like the harder. pitches are higher now than what your yeah, house is yeah oh god yeah i mean you, you've seen that right i mean these, these homes and and you know, it's all, it's all done for effect, but yeah. So you've got, you know, 90 different angles you're working at from one end of the roof to the other. It's like, here it goes here, 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 there, you know, mine's just up, down, <laughs> the other up, down where the garage is. I mean, so. See, now you're going to make me look at roofs. I haven't, I haven't thought about it. I that's have. A thing, that's a thing though. I mean, in your insurance, yeah, person that's the, um, they're, they're looking a little more because those things are held to re-roof after a storm. Somebody, John, you, I'm sorry, not John, uh, DT, you might be able to explain this to me. Um, so I'm driving, and I'm looking at some new houses and some commercial buildings as well. And I'm looking at the cubic volume of the actual, like a holiday gas station, just to give you an example. The cubic volume of the gas station itself is just the rectangular <clears throat> cube area beneath the roof. Then the roof is this monstrous, if you look at it in terms of volume, the roof has more volume in its triangle than the entire rectangle cube below. And then I started looking at all these other houses and just how much attic space is in in between the roof and the actual ceiling where you'd actually be living. Is there some reason? I mean, there is a lot of wasted space going on there. Is this like for insulation or what? Yeah, I think it's mainly for insulation. It's for... um... I mean, you can't have too shallow of a slope for, I think it's for snow and stuff. Yeah, too. I would say but, snow yeah. and ice damming and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But, the, you know, you want it you want it um, steep enough so that everything drains well mm-hmm. and you got enough room for your insulation, but you don't want, uh, but you don't want it too steep where you can't go up there and fix shit. And, you know, I mean, that, that some of these roofs are just way too steep. And so you have to hire somebody to re-roof or to repair your roof. So yeah, I don't know. I think and uh, I think it's also just maybe the style that if you're going to have a gable, people like to have a nice, <laughs> nice steep gable with and maybe put a window in it to nowhere. 
I want to, I want a perugula. Yeah, dude. Well, that was another thing. I'm looking at the girlfriend showing me. Oh yeah, that that's a fake window. I mean, what do you mean it's a fake window? It doesn't go anywhere. It's fake. There's no room behind it. I'm. I was like, why did they put it? It's just for looks. Uh, I, right. That's not the house I want. <laughs> I want. I'm, I'm thinking false advertising too. You know, I, I look. I, we were when we were looking for houses. This house looked great in the picture, and it's like, oh, there's a room above the garage. There's windows there, and you and you show up at the house, and you're like. I can see the trusses behind those windows. There's no room up there. Just, I mean, horrible. I don't know why people would even do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I can't say who I have the in with, but I have an in with uh, builders in the Twin Cities. And ever since the housing crisis crashed and they started building again, I am amazed at the average going new construction price Yep. In the Twin Cities, yeah. uh, for new, not not air, but new. Yep. You're looking at starting at four hundred. Oh, oh yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, four hundred. Yeah, down here, uh, you know, Madison, Wisconsin. So that we we had massive flooding. You know, right out right outside Madison, Black Earth, um, cross plains, like twenty inches of of rain in August. So I mean, um, and and honestly, some places. Still, the water hasn't gone down. You know, I drove by just yesterday, and it's basically these homes are just little islands, and people literally will boat in and out of their house. <laughs> all, I mean, it's complete. It's all, I've never seen anything like it. We've been here 16 years, but what's happening is Madison was already booming. That Madison area, Dane County, um, and and now you're taking all of those builders, and they're you know being summoned to to do repairs and stuff. And and one of my my coworkers is building a house and she's like, yeah, you know, and some of it, the contractor flat out said, if you want us to stay on the deal, you got to pay up an extra $20,000 or, and they do it. I mean, because you're, you're caught over a barrel. I mean, people are, the trades are in such demand down here. The growth is unbelievable. And my, I mean, my assessment went up um, maybe 20% in the last year. I mean, when I get my taxes in December, it's going to be, I mean, you want to hear my pet peeve, Doc, about that? Sure. <laughs> um, and I actually, I called my county about this, and it didn't help. But, you know, the last time the housing market crashed, so, so the housing market tanks, and government goes, oh, okay, okay, okay. And, and they're, they're like, we still need to charge you the same amount of taxes, basically, that you had at the peak. So the housing prices are going down, but your taxes are remaining the same. So basically kind of the percentage is going up, right? And people were okay with that. Okay, yeah, just so long as the taxes aren't going up, yeah, well, we'll, we'll just keep paying the same amount of taxes. So now the now once the housing prices started to ramp up again, what did these fucking counties do? They started raising taxes <laughs> as it was going up. They didn't wait until it got to that previous peak where they held it flat. And then, okay, now we'll start raising. No, they started raising them right away. I mean, and I had, I had called I had called the county about that, the county assessor about that, and that didn't go over too well. <laughs> you fool. You fool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally agree, you know, with what you're, with what you're saying. And, and John uh, Steele and I um, had talked about Seattle, and, you know, John's, John's talked before about what he, 24 years ago, he paid 151000 First condo, and now it's uh, valued over six hundred thousand. So he's he's debating. Run, what? John! Run! Take the money and run. <laughs> yeah, you know he feels. Uh, you know, just I mean, 
you know, and Aaron, you wrote behind the housing crash. I mean, at some point, this can't be sustainable. I mean, well, that's what I was going to ask is I, I kind of caught the end of your conversation when I joined. And you seem to be saying, Aaron, that that even prices in Rapid City are out of control. So what is your I mean, do you have any gut feel on if we're starting to approach that? point again where, no, no, where all it will but, take is some some kind of external you know whether gas prices go up or you know well there's the housing market and then there's the economy and i'm a little bit more worried about the economy than the housing market and let's really? let's also keep in mind that yeah and let's also keep in mind that i haven't worked in banking in seven eight years um so i have not kept tabs on economics or the housing market not because banks paid me to do that but because I was so bored and had nothing else to do, I figured, well, I better do some research and make it look like I'm doing some research for banking. <clears throat> so I haven't, I, I haven't pulled any figures. But um, with what information I do know, what tang- uh, tangential figures I, I have pulled up, um, with the housing market, the month's supply, that was a huge thing that caused the uh, previous crash, is builders are building more houses that were in demand. You do these things called absorption studies, like how many months would it take Right. At the current rate of sales, blah, 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 to sell the current inventory. And you'd have months supply. And they break it down between price ranges, you know, low-end housing, mid-housing, and high-end housing. And uh, at a time, I think there was two and a half years of, like, the McMansions, you know, the right. 500,000. Yeah, yep. Right. So that was – and then there was also, like, six-month supply or year supply of the other stuff. So there's this huge overbuild of supply. Uh, in the housing market, that supply is not there anymore. I, I mean, there is a supply, but it's one or two months supply. Uh, also, the the federal government, thank God, came in and beat the ever living shit out of these banks. And normally, I don't like it when the government gets involved. But the last bank I worked at, the 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 government was so far up this bank's ass because they were fucking up that the the government would send their auditors in. They would ask about every loan every week saying, why is this not on, why is this on Oreo, other real estate owned? Why haven't you sold this? Why, why, why? And they wanted rationalization and explanations. And so what the bank, I'm sorry, what the government did is basically regulated banks saying, no, you're not doing no more of these $50 million deals where you finance 200 homes all in one shot. You're financing them two at a time. And when those houses are sold, then you can advance the funds for the next two. And then you can advance it for the next two after those houses are sold. So the the government has put in uh, many uh, breaks and and, um, restrictions on the banks from going gangbusters. Um, Also, the uh, percentage of mortgages being generated is nowhere near what it used to be in terms of subprime and Alt-A, which is the subprime light, if you want to put it that way. Uh, so the people that are buying the houses are qualified. The economy is doing very well. People are employed. But that's what scares me is the economy. If you look at the unemployment rate, and this is purely technical analysis, so I have no economic rationalization. It's just that it's very rare that unemployment stays below 4% for long before there's a, a sharp, although maybe brief and necessary even, recession. Usually when you get this tight of a labor market, there's some kind of bubble going on, some kind of stress on the economy. It could even be inflation. Uh, but historically speaking, 
Um, the last time we were at this low level of unemployment was during the, the dot-com bubble. Before that, maybe sometime in the 60s the and before that. 60s, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sometime in the 50s, you know, when the when um, we we're supplying the world with everything. Right. It's very rare to be this, this tight. Um, now, I could be wrong. We also got to look at lab, uh, labor force participation rates, which thanks to the millennial generation, a lot of them just don't feel like working. And why should they? Because mom and dad and the government pay for everything. So there's a lot of labor sitting on the sidelines. So it's not truly that tight of a market. Right. And, and maybe paying Tanner or Madison $20 an hour to, to sling coffee, maybe that'll get them off their dad's and mom's couch. Uh, but the, the larger point there's, Historically speaking, you don't stay under 4% unemployment for long before a recession hits. So I, I have no cause. I have no spark that's going to ignite the fuel of a recession. Um, but recessions happen, and sometimes they're not – they're brief. Sometimes they're not even a recession, like the dot-com recession. A lot of people – remember when they were saying that that was the worst recession in 50 years because George Bush was in office? Right. Okay. That wasn't even an official recession because you need two quarters of consecutive economic contraction. That didn't happen. It went up, then it went down, went up, went down, then it went back up. It was the mildest slowdown. You can't even call it a recession. The mildest plateauing of the economy we've ever had. And maybe and that's even, what's good. Even with 9-11, right? Speaking of you know, oh, yeah, the, even the anniversary yeah, today. Yeah. So and, and, and don't forget the dot-com. We misallocated. I think it was $14 trillion. <laughs> That might have an effect. Um, Why do they call it the dot-com bust? I sort of get that, but I remember it really being really kicked off by 9-11 because I, I had stocks and stuff, and I, I was stubbornly, I'm not going to sell them. I'm going to be patriotic. Are you talking the and, stock market or are you talking the economy? There's a difference. Um, well, Usually I mean, the stock market I, I wasn't, first and then the economy second. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't as, uh, I guess, educated back then. I was just a dumb kid. And, um, so I just kind of saw it all as one and, and there was a, there was a recession after nine 11, right? Well, hang on, let's take a look. Cause I'm just wondering, I, it's sort of the dot com was what built it up to over, you know, it, it was going running too hot and maybe it did start to slide before then, but that was when I graduated from college and I didn't really have a trouble getting a job. I remember that was sort of the last time when you graduated from college, not having trouble getting a job, except for maybe today. Maybe now we're back to where if you graduate, you know, you'll be able to find employment fairly easily. Yeah. The um, hang on, where is it? Two thousand March of two thousand one to November of two thousand one. So the recession was already going on. It was already starting. Okay. It was already started, and the remember the dot com crash started in ninety nine. So again, that's where. Remember, the stock market is not the economy. The stock market is what idiots pay for stock right. price right. Uh, because I had borrowed money and, and interest rates are cheap. So, and, and usually, that, well, not usually, but commonly, a stock market crash will trigger a recession because of the price reset and people are losing money and getting foreclosed on. So, yeah, but, that makes sense. But here, but here they, they report those statistics, what, a quarter – late right they report the previous quarter and it needs to be two quarters of negative growth for it to be a recession so right. when 9-11 happened we probably didn't know we were in a recession yet right september we probably did yeah because it said march it been, of 2001 so it had yeah. been six months of and again if you look at i'm pulling this up on wikipedia it's it's a laughable joke the 
the recession took a total toll, toll of minus 0.3 percent. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Compared to the Great Recession, which took 5.1 percent. You know, and, right. and remember right. that was the worst economy in 50 years, and, yeah. <laughs> and everyone wants yeah. to believe the media and, and hate George Bush, but um, yeah. So that so I'm I don't know what would cause it. Again, I'd have to I'd have to care. That's the problem. I'd have to be well, stuck in mean, a banking cubicle job, true. bored out of my mind reading The Economist or looking up data to give a shit. But right now, I don't care. It's not in my control. And, and you know, I have no debt. So everyone could go fucking sit on a stick as far as I'm concerned. But see, see, uh, for people listening, you know, I that maybe are want to get into the market, you're getting into the market sort of on your terms. You're not really over leveraging yourself or anything like that. No. But most people, when they get into the, the housing market, fucking, you know, leverage themselves to the hill. Right. right. And right. Uh, I don't know if you'd have any thoughts on that, that, you know, well, kind of uh, thinking from that perspective, would, would this be a risky market to get into? Yeah, or would you imagine yeah, buying into it right now. It, it probably would be. I don't think it's as bad. Um, <clears throat> there's another way we can look at this. I hope they have this, uh, is to look at price to rents. Right. And um, I've looked into this relatively recent. Okay, here we go. Smart assets. Uh, 2015. Yeah, we're we're still nowhere near. Oh, no, that's Seattle. Okay. I mean, if we use Seattle as a proxy, we're nowhere near what the high was back in 2008. Um, we're still a full third. Let me see if I could find uh Really? We're, we're a third away from the peak? I mean, here, we're past the peak i think unless i misunderstood you there. no you're you're confusing price to rents is like a pe ratio oh, okay gotcha gotcha yep yep yeah prices have recovered but, you, but rents are high now but yeah. rents are high right and when you look at assets you try you know you look at a house and most people don't rent out their houses but if you want to get an idea as to whether a house is overvalued or not well okay inflation and normal price appreciation and increase in population blah 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 and increase of home quality construction well, what can we rent that out for in theory? And so to figure out whether or not a, a, a housing market or real estate market is inflated or not, you take average home prices in the United States divided by average rents and you get an idea of what it is. Now, Seattle hit a peak of 42 back in 2008. Today, it's at about 33. Uh, I just want to find something nationwide. Here we go. This is the Case Shiller index. This goes up to 2017. Yeah, if if I could show it on the on the thing, I would. The Case Shiller index was at 1.8 roughly. It dropped to a low of 1.1, and now we're at about 1.3. So we still have a long ways to go to get to the prices uh, and price to rents ratios. That, that they had back at the peak of the dot com. I'm sorry, the housing bubble. So we we could see uh, price appreciation go on for another three to five years at a pretty rapid well, rate. And here's another interesting thing that I thought of. Um, the United States did have a crash. Most of Europe had a crash. But there's a couple places that didn't. Uh, they had a stagnation or a slowdown, but they didn't even go down in prices. And one would be the Vancouver housing market. Another would be the Australian housing market. And a third, I think, would be New Zealand. And by all measures, our housing 
prices here have even recovered, and they recovered rather quickly, as well did stock prices. And when I'm starting to look at housing and stocks now uh, is not so much, am I getting a good deal? Am I going to rent it out? I'm looking at it more as a consumer, but I'm also looking at it as this is a hedge against inflation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Australian and the New Zealanders and, and um, well, Canada as well, but ba- basically every first world country has been pursuing some kind of quantitative easing. That money has to go somewhere. And this is how we quite rapidly, I mean, if you want to see a true crippling crash, look at the Japanese Nikkei index when it crashed in 1989. That sucker did not recover for almost 30 years. Right. We recovered in less than a decade. Uh, and then some, if you look at the stock market. So it's kind of one of those, th- I, I hate to say you can't afford not to be in the market. You certainly can afford not to be if you don't have the money and not leveraged up or you, you have to leverage up. But I'm starting to look at property because I'm selling my house. And then it's like, okay, now I have all this cash. Well, you better plug it back in somewhere yeah, in the somewhere. economy because it's going to be inflated away. So it better go into some kind of stock fund. It better go into some kind of property that you can live in. Not because I think these are good investments. They're not by historical PE ratios and price to rents ratios. They're not. But the government just prints off all this damn money. Right. It's got to go somewhere. And that's where the inflation is. I mean, if I could invest in tuition price increases, I would. If there was a way for me to invest in, because anytime you borrow money, that's where this inflation is occurring. So everyone thinks there's no inflation with you know, our consumables, a gallon of milk, a gallon of gas, pencils, whatever. Um, yeah, there's no inflation there because we've been importing them from cheap-ass countries. But if you want to see where the inflation is, it's where they've borrowed money to buy assets. And that's been stocks, housing, and other other type of assets. So for people who... I'm a unique situation. I have 100% equity in my home. I'm going to sell it, probably buy a cheaper place, have some money left over. Um, so I can. I have a, a right. home equity line on my house, so I am going to borrow until I sell my house. But So I'm not really taking that much of a risk. But if you're scraping – I mean, you guys probably – I mean, how old were you guys when you bought your first house? We're scraping by trying to get 5% for an FHA loan? No, my, my first mortgage was 8%. Okay, mine was five. Doc, what'd you yeah, put down? Uh, it was probably it, five. Oh, you meant down on the house. Sorry. Oh, oh mine, you meant mine. down? Oh, God. Yeah. Um, did they yeah, have houses you had to put down? Yeah, they they did have houses. I, I put down eh, 30%, 35 Really? I think mine was 10 I think mine required 10 okay. I can't remember. Mine doesn't was matter. Five. Now I got paid off. <laughs> right. But, you know, but, we... That, yeah, we got our first house, you know, what, so I was 30 or, you know, so it wasn't like, you know, I had friends who, who bought homes or built homes 22 or 23. So we had, we had some dollars saved, you know, where, of course, they benefited from the appreciation and things like that. But yeah, yeah. Say, Atham's got something to contribute to the conversation. Super chat. Sure. Of course, 666. Of course, of course. We've got some analysis here on the whole housing market and... Mm-hmm. And all that. He says, I hope Jarvis the dog farts next to you again. God, this damn dog. Oh, God. You got, uh, tell, let me, t- okay, you know, I don't have debt and blah, blah, blah. I could loosen the purse strings. Nope. I found free lodging. A buddy of mine has Jarvis the French bulldog here. He's right here in front of me. And um, I got free lodging. Oh, right for now two he's weeks. there. He's there. Yeah, right he's now? there. For once, he's not snorting. He's, you know, he's got that smushed up face uh-huh. that yeah. French bulldogs do. I've seen him in a couple of your videos. So, yep. yeah. 
Yep. So, um, yeah, he's a big hit. Everybody likes him more than me. Anyway, uh, I got free lodging for two weeks as long as I dog sit him. And he's the coolest freaking dog. Like, he poops on time. He pees on time. He can be left alone. He can go out on hikes. It's great. This is, like, the perfect dog to have. But he's unpredictable as far as the uh, the emissions. Oh, dude, that <laughs> in the car, I was recording. And I'm like, my God. And it's horrible. It's horrible. This is not, like... You what know you how feeding? girls? What are you feeding beef, him? Beef or what? Yeah. No, I'm feeding it. Whatever the the owner she gives him dog you're food. Sneak, you're not sneaking him anything. <laughs> Look, this is how bad this fart. This dog farts. Okay, let me explain to you how bad the fart. You know how girls say they don't fart or it doesn't stink as bad, and you smell it. It is the most rancid shit ever. Like your buddy Bruno, who's a sweat horse, and he farts it, and you're like, oh, that's pretty bad. Girls' farts are the absolute worst. This dog beats girl farts. That's how bad this dog's farts is. <laughs> well, he's not anyway, holding them in like girls. <laughs> the girls' farts are bad because they hold them in and they just get concentrated, right? <laughs> they don't. They don't know how to. Uh, what's the crop word you dust. use? You crop no, dust. No, not crop dust. I ever tell you? Oh, I, I can confess this now. I ever tell you guys about the time? I well, multiple times I was teaching dance classes and I had to fart and how I <laughs> how I get out of it. Uh, you haven't said it, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to guess how that would be possible. <laughs> well, okay. So, you know, I eat food, spicy food and all that. And every once in a while, you know, 14 years, three hours a night of dance, dance classes every night, you know, inevitably you're going to have to fart. So, um, I'd be like, dang, I got to fart, but I can't, I can't leave. And so what I do is I'd always find the fattest, guiltiest looking guy that looked like he fart. <laughs> And I go over there and provide him some instruction that he probably didn't need. And I just let it all out and then I'd leave. And then people <laughs> would think it was him. Then they'd start looking and, oh, yeah. <laughs> you framed him. You, were, framed you, him. you framed. Park framing. <laughs> when, you're, when you're discussing frame, right? Isn't that a term in, in right. dance? In dance. You right. framed them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I played. I played really. Or like. If, because usually we'd have more girls than guys, so I'd I have to pinch hit. You know, I'd I dance with the, and then we'd rotate men through. And if it ever came to like, I would say difficult, but dips or turns that required you support the woman's weight, I would always rotate the fat chick away from me, and then I do those moves so I wouldn't have to dip the fat chick. And some poor sucker <laughs> would also have to dip the fat chick. So. Or maybe I wait for the hot chick to come to me, and then I do fun moves, and then I okay. So that's that's like a ballroom dancing four hundred one class, like the advanced class. Where that's you talk that, about how to fart and how to avoid the fat chick. <laughs> and that's all the those master's kinds of level, yes, yeah. master's degree. It's, um, but yeah, I mean, for for any of the youngins out there, by gosh, it un, until you know where you want to live. And Doc and I had this conversation before because, wait, Doc, you read what, Reconnaissance Man? We are talking about how had we known. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the reason I wrote Reconnaissance Man is there's no reason. to. I know they all say, oh, run out, get a house, you know, don't waste rent, blah, blah, blah. But it, today, especially when you don't know if you're going to be employed or unemployed the next day because uh, someone saw your Facebook feed or something like that. Uh you you go explore the world, you go work, you go where the money is, you build up a huge down payment. 
I know housing prices are going up, but I think some men are accumulating wealth even faster. Uh, and then you go find a place that you want to live for the rest of your days. And you put a ton of research into it. Like I've been house hunting probably for about three months now. Most of it's been on the internet. You're just crunching numbers and looking up data and you know trying to figure out places and locations. And the last month has been, I'd say, a good part-time job, in part why I haven't written a post, in part why I haven't um, done a podcast and you know, quote-unquote vacation, but I'm, I'm fitting it in here and there. But you definitely want to go and find the, the town you belong in, the state you belong in. And then you start worrying about, oh, do I buy a house you know, now or not? Uh, but right now, I, I'm kind of hoping there'd be a house crash, a little bit of a correction. I'm kind of hoping there'd be a stock market crash so I could you know, buy some stocks finally. Um, but yeah, I would not be in a rush to buy a house. And I would not, honestly, I wouldn't even be bothering buying a house until you have 20% down. There's no reason, because if you don't, you guys know, but for any of the younger people listening, yeah, you can get a house at 5% down or 8% down or 10% down, but then you have to pay this thing called mortgage insurance, right. which is bullshit because they never bailed out. We had to get bailed out by the taxpayers anyway. And it's sometimes $200, $300 a month. Lord and almighty, probably 400 depending on the size of the house. Yeah. If you can get 20% down, you don't have to pay that shit. And I and think now a- the PMI, private mortgage insurance, does not automatically go away. I think you have to refinance for it to go away. Really? Yeah, I think. Don't quote me on that, but I seem to remember that being one of the changes. I don't know if that's how the 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 banks are trying to get a little bit more money out of you with these low interest rates or something, mm. um, that you actually have to refinance to get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, maybe some banks are doing it, some aren't. Um, but the one that I work with, I think that's the way that it was. I'll, I'll tell you this about banking in general, whenever you want to go to the bank, and it's it's uh, not to brag, but um, my banker, who's a wonderful woman, and if anybody in the Twin Cities area needs a banker, email me over olderbrother at yahoo.com. I will set you up with her. She's, she's genius. What I loved about her is um, her bank had the lending policy. Is like, we don't care if it's rental property because if it's rental property, oh, well, it's rental property. It's higher risk, so we're going to charge you an extra percent or two, which is huge on a mortgage. And they're like, no. Nope. You, you have rental property, you have good credit score, blah, blah, blah. So she got me a really good interest rate. So I can set you guys up. I'm more than happy to send business her way. Um, but to get qualified to buy this house has been infinitely easier. And the reason why is I kept my credit very good and I have no debt. Right. And so when I went to my banker. I don't want to mention her name because I don't want her to lose her job in case someone finds out she knows me. <laughs> I, I said, hey, I might be buying property. Um, you know, what, what are my options? And she says, okay, you have impeccable credit. You have no debt. Uh, I know you. So here's all your financing options. So she's, we can get you a HELOC at wall street prime plus a quarter percent. That's how right. good that's how, and that saves me money because I kept my financial nose clean. So and what so, does that mean for us noobs? that uh, don't know what Wall Street Prime is. and Okay, Wall Street Prime is like the best rate uh, banks can get in, in interbank lending. Like that, That's okay. Prime, Wall Street Prime. That's, I don't know, it's like four point something percent. Okay. It's not yeah. what they can get from the Fed, but it's what they can get between each other. Okay. Correct, correct. Very, very high, you're a low risk rate. And then a lot of other interest rates are therefore based off of it. There's another 
LIBOR, the London interbank interest rate. Um, and a lot of contracts or mortgages or loans are dictated in terms of Wall Street Prime plus, you know, 2%, Wall Street Prime plus 3%. I am getting a quarter percent over Prime. Saves me money, also saves me time. There's no dicking around. Um, and if you guys walk in with 20% and a good credit score, the approval process for financing goes so much faster and it's a lot cheaper than if you have to pay this pro- uh, mortgage insurance, get a second mortgage that has a higher interest rate, PMI insurance, all that other stuff. Um, if you can work up the 20%, pay that sucker down. Banks, th- they'll love you. They'll love you because it's so rare and it's so easy to qualify you. So your plan is to sell your place, buy a condo, but mm-hmm. the money from your place would be invested into Rapid City? The con- the money from my house, from WBL, in theory, should pay for both. I, okay. I thought, I for, I for sure, I thought it would pay for both because I thought, you know, again, these yokels out here in South Dakota and who dang, I'll send you 10,000 acres for a nickel. <laughs> and it all of a sudden, it's like, all of a sudden, they got street smart. I'm like, oh, shit, these guys know what what's going on. Um, so it'll be close, but we're not going to get a fancy condo. We're just going to get a, a cheap nearby condo. It's really just a move so that the GF does not have to commute. We save time. Plus I'm sick of the WBL. I am so sick of living right. there. Um, it was great in my younger thirties and I think late twenties, you know, partying and drinking. Uh, but I'm not, I don't think I can, you can't, a man cannot stay in a place for over a decade. I've been there 12 years. I need to get the hell out. Um, So it's going to be cheap condo there. And then I should have enough money left over that I should be able to more or less pay cash for the place in Rapid City. Um, So we'll have two houses bought and paid for, lower property taxes, cumulatively speaking. Um, And then I, I don't have to rent or rent. I don't have to get a hotel anymore. I come to Rapid City. I can fly to Rapid City anytime I want. I got a buddy in Rapid City, probably generate a little bit of cash flow off of the property. The one that owns the dog, Jarvis, the dog would be my tenant. And um, So you got a place in Vegas too? or, or where The GF has a place in Vegas. Okay. Yep. Okay. And that's the winter place that, uh, you know, go down to and chill out. Jeepers. Yeah. And that one, paying that mortgage down fast. So in theory, in about 10 years, Three houses paid off, uh, and then we start looking at retirement, um, of which I'll never do. I will never retire, but she's more, you know, real person, real adult, and she might look at that and say, okay, do we do we want to do Minnesota winners anymore, or is it like forget it, we're out of here? And then, then we sell the condo for whatever. That would be a retirement fund, and then, you know, my, my goal has to been avoiding poverty and not – retire you know i don't want to eat cat food i don't want to be like the baby boomer generation i do not want to be oh i'm 75 and i am on a fixed income and i'm poor fuck you grandma i don't give a shit you didn't do like that one gal in vegas remember we read about her oh yeah yeah Yeah, i don't want to be her no gutter no gutter for clary huh no dying in the gutter for you nope nope (laughs) gonna be golfing with my senior citizen discount and then we got another super chat from the okay. same guy, LJ Lyon. Five bucks this time. Five dollars. Five bucks. Oh, big spender. This is going to really know, cut I don't down. know why 
I don't know if one of us is making noises. Maybe it's me. I've been clicking my little uh, USB drive thing here. But he says, has anyone made good on matching the Super Chat amount if you have outside noises interrupting the podcast? I actually have my button on the mute thing. And <laughs> phone rings because I've disconnected like the main one, but, you know. So Is it I, me? I am, I am ready. No, I don't to... know why he's asking that, but, yeah. but I'm not giving you money if I... No, <laughs> I've been off for a little Yeah, that one time. Crazy. Wait, hang, hang on. You lost me. He, he's paying us money to get rid of a clicking noise? No, uh, no, no he, he's just saying, has everyone, <laughs> no, I, I'm just wondering why the, why he's asking this question. Uh, uh, has everyone made good on matching the super chat amount if you have outside noises interrupting the podcast? And he's saying, now he's saying it's oh, no. Oh, that's so. right. Yeah, we had like the, the curse jar. Yeah. Well, yeah, I used to have the phone ring. Anne would do the bongos all the time and stuff like right. that. And yeah. Right. She would. But maybe your dog, dog will fart. <laughs> You'll have to. Yeah, you're doing yourself. <laughs> I, know so another, I, I figure I should say that we, we've had another question here from a from a podcast regular. I should I should read those ones too, and it's on this uh, topic of uh, houses and stuff. I think just the economy. Can you talk? Can you talk? John Steele asks, can you talk about the fact the real wages have not increased since dash nineteen seventy or around nineteen seventy, and. I don't know what I, I guess what I would say about that. I don't know if this is right, Clary, or not, is that most of this economy has been kept afloat through inflation. And so, yeah, if, if inflation is running the economy, um, wages aren't going to increase. I Well, what's what's kept wages down is um, we've outsourced a lot of jobs, industrial manufacturing and all that overseas. Right. And I, I here's the thing. I'm going to have to uh, plead ignorance and not knowing – but if I recall correctly, the you say, well, wait a minute, real, real incomes have gone up. Our income per capita has gone up. GDP per capita has gone up. Uh, household income has gone up. Well, what that's largely uh, due to is that um, we're working more hours. Uh, and you're have, if you, when you look at household income, women have been entering the labor force a lot since 1970. Uh, so the, the real wages have not increased, but then – they, this is a Democrat talking point, so I'm always suspicious of it. Right. They could be talking like mean median mode, like they're talking the, the median income. It's like, well, what's the mean income? Um, I, I, I can look it up. Hang on. Let me, let me take a look here. Well, you know, the other part, too, is, I mean, look at the cost of a television set and, and, and technology and, and just how, how some of those essential, well, I don't know, essentials, but things have decreased in, in cost. I mean, I remember my my first Sony Trinitron, you know, and God, how much that was. And now you could go and, and replace with a, you know, 60 inch TV for a few hundred bucks. I mean, versus the thousand I paid for that thing. So, so I think there's part of that is, you know, technology's keeping us in the game. I've heard that argument a few times, you know, and I think Aaron, you've mentioned it with housing, you know, the, and, and, um, in DT also, I mean, the ability to, to manufacture so much more efficiently um, today, especially if you're going off of a, blue, a blueprint, um, you know, okay. house that you've built a hundred times and, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, efficiencies have got to play a huge part in this, I would think. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the quality, I mean, a, another example, um, one of the more interesting things I had to do was research cars. I wanted to compare the budget of a family in 1955 to today for um, poor Richard's retirement. 
And you really can't compare cars today to cars tomorrow because the cars today are way better. Back then, you'd get about 600, uh, I'm sorry, 60,000 miles out of a car. Today, you could get almost 250 if you do the regular maintenance on a, on a, on a right. new car. So <clears throat> the quality of goods has improved. Electronics have come way down. And then how do you factor in um, an increase in standard of living, which we normally use as money per capita, be it wealth per capita or income per capita, right. when you didn't have cell phones? I mean, think about this. Do you know what this phone call would have cost back in <laughs> 1980? Oh. This show itself, YouTube itself, if you had described to people back then, they would have shit their pants. Yeah, right. It would have been like, holy, holy crap, that's going to be possible for fucking everybody to do. And that's what you're getting at is the quality of life isn't really factored into that. I mean, it's I compared to my life in the past and it's it's not even a question. Things are are so much better now. Way better, better. way better. I mean, things are so good. It's kind of funny you mentioned that. Like, if you explained it, you know, like, we're going to be able to do what with YouTube? You know, all those girls back in the eighth grade who claim, I have a boyfriend in the United Kingdom. She might actually have a boyfriend in the United Kingdom, and they might actually talk every night for free. But that's... (laughs) You guys ever get that excuse? No. I have a boyfriend in some far-flung country. You guys never had that excuse from a girl? See, I, I, I wasn't like, I, I didn't, no, no. That's I right, never, you never had the chance girls. to have that excuse, yeah. <laughs> Doc, you asked out girls. You ever get that excuse when you were younger? That's the other country thing, no. Ah, uh, never. I got that like multiple times. Maybe I should have taken the hint. <laughs> He'll not believe I have a boyfriend in Antarctica. Yes, he will. Um, I found the wages. Uh, it is false. Uh, average, uh, both mean and median wages have been going up. Uh, in 1991, wages, um, this has got to be annual. We're looking at 20000 up to 45000 Is this real? Yeah, this is real. Yeah, so wages have been going up. So we'd have to that, – that was that was an old argument. It may have been true from like 1970 to say 1991 when there was a recession going on. That's one they used to get rid of George Bush Sr. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't believe that wages have stayed back as they were in 1970 adjusted for inflation. You know, now, other, you fact yeah. – I was going to say you factor in tuition. Yeah, I mean those that type of things. Right. Yeah, the, the younger people have a lot less purchasing power, but they're the idiots signing up for you know classes that charge $300 a credit. God, I, I know a prof down at UW-Madison – uh, sells the book to the class, thousand bucks for the book. No, true, true. Yeah, no, not <laughs> not exaggerating. And uh, you know, obviously not going to identify, but it is a thousand bucks for this prof's book that you have to have. John is John it- mentioned uh, healthcare costs too are up, but yep. Think about what is possible today with the health healthcare system. Dick fucking Cheney had a robotic heart for a while like Darth Vader. I mean, the things that are possible now are so much more, are so much better than they were in the past. So if, if, if the cost is going up, but you're getting great shit as a result of it, I mean, is that really, is that really a bad thing? I, I, I don't think so. And, um, and John has to that. also think, everybody's also got to think, how many more welfare crackhead babies have been <laughs> 
kept alive in incubators so they too could spit out future crackhead babies who could also spit out future crackhead babies all in the span of 30 years because what's hotter than a 32 year old grandmother <laughs> i don't know what <laughs> i don't know I, you know the, how like like you, you hear these crack out babies aren't the only ones saved i guess by our great medical system <laughs> there's, yeah, there's drug too. addicts you know <laughs> Good people. Good people are also Bad saved. people who have to get gastric bypass. Yeah, there's a lot of great people out there we keep alive. I'm glad. I'm sure the majority of our of our healthcare dollars goes to save the virtuous and pure. <laughs> that that is true. I've always thought that you know the 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 investment of healthcare isn't. We we don't really know if that's a uh, a benefit to the economy or not because it's not it's not the procedure itself. It's what whoever receives the procedure, what they do with their life, right? If they're productive, well, well, then, it's a, right. then it's a great investment. Right. If they're not, then it's not. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, if you're having surgery and then, yeah, you're not taking care of yourself too. I mean, how many of these TV shows, you know, my 600-pound life, and then, you know, of course, they're, they're showing the clips of the person at home and they're eating eight hamburgers and, and fries and stuff like that. And it's like, you've had the surgery. I mean, you You've had the benefit of the technology, but if you don't take care of yourself, um, so yeah, I, I, you know, we we talked. I don't know. I think we might have talked on this show, but I, I had my license, my driver's license renewed, and I checked the organ donor box, and then all I think all of you were like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" You know, like they can, de- and then and I'm doing some research. They can declare you're dead based upon some kind of, yeah. you know, more or less iffy. You know, splash some cold water in your ear into your eyes. You know. Um, move or stuff like that, but yeah, they Google you and they found out Doctor Perot. Oh yeah, he's a conservative. He's dead. Get his organs. I've got. I've got to interrupt here for the super chat. We've had yeah. our. We have our I record. This is our record uh, donation again from LJ Lyon. Awesome. He's donated ten bucks. That guy is paid your house. So he's he's, he's your, almost it, up that's twenty your easement. total. That's your Rapid City easement right there. Right there. That's your H HOA fee. So he really wants to know the question, uh, the answer to this question. Ten bucks, record. LJ Lyons got the record. Aaron, what's your turnaround time on asshole consulting for questions after payment? About a day and a half. Okay. It depends. Like when I came out here, I had to drive across South Dakota, so there's like a day gone. I was also in Nevada three days before. Um just busted my ass off working on stuff. I had no time. So sometimes it can be a week. Uh, and usually I send people an email saying, hey, just so you know, I haven't forgotten about you. And people are pretty cool about it. Um, but yeah, usually it's a day and a half. I like to do it like a day. I don't like being more than 24 hours. And if I'm at home, if I'm in the Northern Command, I can bang it out. But if I'm on the road or motorcycling about, it's a little bit more difficult because, you know, I got to set up the laptop and get to the next place. And hopefully they have internet and all that. But yeah, about, I try and do it. It's about a day and a half. Cynic in chief asks for two bucks. When is Clary taking callers? I don't want to. Oh, God damn. And I know I want to call him. I want to say his first name, but I can't. Listen, I, do you want to get him on? Maybe I should get him on. Does he want to come on? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see if he responds. <laughs> we I can talk really about want, Bitcoin. <laughs> I don't really want to take on callers as of yet. And, and the, we can. We could just invite him to the Hangouts. But watching, being a student of Chris Beckloff and seeing him, I mean, that guy, 
he's gone through the gambit when just starting off as a YouTuber. And now he's got the whole setup with, um, what's it called? Uh, Streamlabs, and he can take live calls and it's through Skype and he can record and he can import media from the internet. He does it really well. I'm not willing to invest that much time. I know I could copy the link here and send it to cynic in chief. If he really wants to come on, but, um, he still I hasn't don't know. responded. Hey, let's do this. This is something they do on the, the professional YouTubers. Everyone in the chat room, if you want callers, hit one. If you don't, hit zero. DT, take a look. See what we got coming in. What does hit one, hit <laughs> zero mean? Hit one means you want like, me to take callers. Just like, it's just like a one like a will be the one Yeah, yeah. So it's like taking a poll. Okay. Don't you guys listen to podcasts and you do that? For those of you in the chat room, hit one if X, if hit zero if, if yeah, Y. I'm looking at them now. They're coming in. Oh, now they're tied. It's tied. Ones and zeros is tied. Mm-hmm. So That's I was it. listening to, to Scott Adams, you know, the <laughs> Dilbert guy. And, and Adams thinks we are kind of starting a run in the market, the stock market, economy, and housing market. <laughs> that everything is going to run up from here for five to seven years. Oh, that could happen. That was what I was going to say. If you look at Australia and Vancouver, because they perpetually print off more money, there's like this perpetual increase in housing prices. But hasn't quantitative easing contract? I mean, I know the money's out there, but it's been absorbed where it was just basically sitting out there previously, right? I mean, hasn't. Has but a, you're talking velocity, and that's the problem, is when the economy's Jesus. not booming. I'm talking smoking the bandit, damn it. Burt Reynolds. When, when, um, when the economy's not booming or people just don't have faith, what ends up happening is you got very low interest rates. Corporations look at it and say, well, what are we going to do with these low interest rates? Oh, let's borrow the money and pay down, you know, rebu- uh, buy back shares. Um, so your GDP figure, and that's what basically happened during the entire Obama administration. So we're not investing out of this fucker. And so you had all this money a wash in the economy, people were stung from the stock market crash, the housing market crash. They cut back their spending, and this is what's called velocity, the rate at which a dollar is respent. And the velocity of a U.S. dollar has gone drastically down. So the only money that was being transacted was being borrowed at very low interest rates and being dumped into asset prices. Um, But let me take a look. What was I going to look up? Doc, what were you saying? We're, well, we're talking about I, I, I don't know, but I mean, I'll go back and, and just say Scott Adams, you know, recently said he believes we're in for a five to seven year run in the stock market, in the economy, and in the housing market. That we okay. are, we've got that ahead of us. That that remind me. Okay, I'm going to look at the various money supplies. Um, yep, the M2 money supply is going up. Let's take a look at the monetary base. Monetary base. Loading. Loading. Oh, here we go. Come on. Monetary base is actually flatlined. Uh, so maybe they aren't going to. Maybe maybe prices will start to stagnate. Uh, that oh, That I- is what was driving – and Chinese money. But my point was that as long as we keep money uh, – printing money – and have quantitative easing, even low interest rates, that money has to go somewhere, and it's inevitably going to end up uh, in asset prices. And so that's what Australia has been doing. So Australia has had this 
perma housing bubble where, I mean, heaven help you if you're a young person. You you don't even – this happened in Switzerland too. I, I was staying with a buddy in Switzerland. And I'm like, well, when do you pay off your, your principal? He's like, oh, we don't. We just pay interest. Then you sell the house, and then there's capital gains. And so mm-hmm. I think that's what's going to happen for the millennials and beyond. You're never going to be me in more than one ways, of course. Uh, but you're never going to have your house paid off. You're just not because you, you're you're going to – the price of a house will be how much interest can you afford on this permanent level of principal in debt. Um, and that is how houses will, be, uh, houses will be priced. And the only thing that would make a house price go down would be a significant increase in interest rates on mortgages. Um, but you know, governments aren't going to let that happen because we can't just have you know, prices decrease. I guess I just look at it from a gut level. I look at how much things have changed in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And do you really want to sign yourself up for a 30 to 40 year commitment in the future <laughs> economy, whatever the fuck it's going to be in 10 years? I mean, who there's with automation, with all these changes happening, with the boomers retiring, I mean, I think I think it's so uncertain. I mean, really, it's so uncertain right now that I wouldn't take any, you know, risks beyond the 10 year time frame. I mean, I don't know how you could possibly predict what's going to happen. Think of 10 years ago, smartphones just came on the scene 10 years ago. How different are things going to be in 10 years from now? Well, and and just, you know, um looking at the the shows on HGTV, I get the I get the gut feel that we're back at the mania again. Every nobody's learned really their lesson. Maybe the banks have learned their lesson, but I don't think fucking people have really. And and that's what's going to drive it. The herd is always going to drive it. Right. It's not and that's the what... banks that drive it. It's going to be the fucking herd that drives us over the cliff. Right. And, and I go ahead. So go ahead. No, you. Well, I was going to point out right. another bubble. I mean, where daily there's articles written about how people are suffering. The math, if you know fourth and fifth grade math, compound and division. You should be able to figure it out. But, you know, there's just as many damn – there's more kids enrolled this year in college and worthless degrees than there was last year. No one learns. And so I don't think these you're, – you're talking to me and Doc, two very intelligent and very handsome people. You yourself are very intelligent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but these are sheep. We're not these people. You're thinking logically. You're thinking normally. If you look at you know Australia as a canary in the coal mine, these people will go up to how much interest can I afford? These people are going to think, oh, it's better to say I won't raise my rent. I won't waste my rent. I got myself a McMansion and a 300-mile commute, but I'm not wasting my rent. Uh, they'll sign up for 30-year mortgages. I mean, heck, didn't California come up with a 50-year mortgage recently because the housing prices are so insane out there? Is it really up to 50 now? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Let me double check. Because that's pretty standard, like in Japan, right? You know, 50 or more for uh, it, years or more for a mortgage. My brother-in-law's wife is from Japan and her family. And, and I think we had a discussion on that. Yep, you can get a 50-year 50, 50 mortgage or a loan schedule paid 50 years. It's insane. Yeah. Okay, speaking about how things change, we've got another super chat from our old friend. This has <laughs> been a very... Oh, is this our uh, our sailor buddy or no? This is L.J. Lyon. That's just oh, like great. giving you all of his money right now. L.J. is. We'll have a free stay at the Cappy household in Rapid so another, City. 
if I ever build it. He's got an actually another five and a two, and it's on kind of one topic here. The the question is, and I had to look it up to make sure it was true. Any thoughts on the red pill community taking their name from the two brothers who wrote the Matrix that are now sisters? And I looked that up real quick. It's the true. Wachowskis on they can't call them the Wachowski brothers anymore. It's just the Wachowskis now on Wikipedia. Lana, formerly Lawrence or Larry Wachowski or Wachowski, and Lily Wachowski. So they have both become women. The two guys that wrote The Matrix, which I think is one of the best movies of the last yeah, I love the Matrix. 10 to 20 years mm-hmm. as far as philosophy and just getting you know, just kind of blowing your mind. And I guess uh, maybe weird people come up with shit that's really cool. I mean, that's all I can say about it. I don't know. <laughs> so did he want to know if I thought the red pill had been lifted from uh, The Matrix? Well, I... Uh, well, that's where that's you know we call we call you know red pilling somebody. It's from the Matrix, obviously. Right. Red pill, blue pill, um, and I guess the question is whether we should still use that terminology just because the guys that came up with the awesome idea are now girls. I would say art is bigger than the artists that create it. I would say, and that's what sort of gets us in trouble these days is that we're looking at. Yeah. The people that come up with these great ideas and looking at what they are rather than the ideas that they came up with. So this doesn't change anything for me, you know, and how I perceive the movie. And yeah, I, it, no, I don't know. It doesn't. Yeah, it's it's an analogy. Yeah, you know, that's that. It's it's a blue and red pill. It works wonderfully. I I just get tired of the constant name change. You know where and and sometimes you have to, you know, like uh, the alt right once it's taken over by a. Uh, the fringe radical element group <clears throat> where you have actual racists or uh, actual misogynists. I'd say the MGTOW community is a, a fair amount of people where you have to abandon the phrase, even feminism. I'm sure, you know, a hundred years ago, feminism probably had some positive connotations. Now I can't think of a, of a worse word um, than the right. word feminism. I really can. And, and all the negative connotations, but I think, you know, th- People are saying, oh, the manosphere is over. The manosphere is dead. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with the word manosphere? I kind of like it. It's kind of funny and goofy, but it's kind of serious. And now red pill community. I like red pill. And apparently it has been taken over by some fringe element and a bunch of haters or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, and I, I think but, red but, pill has to do with also, you know, having the intelligence to have situational awareness of what's happening around you and <laughs> what's impacting you, you know, economically, you know, socially and all that you're not going through life with this this blinders or what's called this narrow Taurus or you know you're, you're basically uh you know living the same day over and over insulated is is that blue pill so no i, I think there's i think it's much deeper you know it's red very, pill. Apt, but, very apt very apt but i think the point he's getting at is should we mistrust all the ideas that they came up with yeah because I, the brothers no, are now i don't think no to me <laughs> no i don't no i mean I, don't. I mean, I think the Matrix kind of took on a life of its own, really. I mean, it was so, it was such a great analogy. It was such a great um, metaphor, whatever you want to say, for discovering the truth and discovering that you're a slave and discovering right. that, that you're not living in the true reality. And that's so, um, that's so Today. beyond, that's so beyond yeah. the, the person that comes up with that idea. I mean, I, and, and that idea is really just springboarding off of 
other ideas in the past. You know, well, there's no, there's nothing new under the sun. No, they just no, packaged sure. it differently. It goes back to, uh, to Hobbes, uh, Hobbes Leviathan and social contract theory, you know, of that's where a lot, yeah, you can go back four or 500 years in, in a lot of stuff that's, that surfaced and manifested in the matrix, you know, that are you believing that a state has to be there? If a state isn't there, is it good, you know, is, is society going to deteriorate? And there's some really, really cool red pill stuff actually going on just right now. Okay. With the hurt, with the hurricane, um, that the rescue forces, remember it was a Cajun Navy is actually Cajun Navy relief came in last year after hurricane Irma and Harvey. And I've got video of the state patrol clearing off the highway. So these, these, you know, 30 miles of pickup trucks and boats could come down and do this rescue. And then of course I was all denied because you can't say that you're allowing that because you're taking liability if you're a County or a state or FEMA, but that all happened and it's happening again right now. So it's this whole social contract theory of, of saying, you know, we're, embracing these organic rescues and things like that. It's happening right here. Like where I live, the Wisconsin Dells is close by and the Dells ducks tour, the ducks are going out and rescuing people like from their homes, from these floods. Hmm. And um, so this is more red pill that the government you're seeing where FEMA can't do this. Like these organic groups are stepping in and the Cajun Navy, like, you know, it's a dentist and it's, you know, a construction worker and just these groups. And then they use like apps like Zello and stuff, but I mean, it's massive. It's like 10,000 people stuff. But I think the point is with that is the, the red pill can be, can be great. And it can show the social contract because it's really the 10th amendment. I mean, if we had TG on TJ Martinell on here, you know, at the 10th amendment center, he'd be diving into this. It's yes. What, for hours, hours at a time. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I think if we really look at this, there's there's some really good things as long as we don't we don't mess it up and kind of hand over too much. You know, the Patriot Act has has it's been a trade off, you know, and what you have for privacy and what. But one thing that's not been regulated is like the Cajun Navy Relief and these these grassroots organizations, or even like the Dells Ducks and things like that, going in for the rescues. That's still really strong. And uh, you know, talking about nine eleven. So in nine eleven, the there were 500,000 people rescued from lower Manhattan. So battery park, basically nine hours. And that was 134 boats. Most of them were tugs, never worked together before. No one took a dollar, you know, this rescue force get all these, it's comparable to Dunkirk, you know, and that's still very much alive today. So I, so I, I think there's, there's this good thing for society. I mean, if we look at where this red pill can take us, um, and it's not being, we're not being, legislated out of like being able to act as civilian come together and, and help each other. I don't know if that makes right. any sense, but it's, but it's held up since nine 11. I mean, if we're take, talking nine 11, it's held up since then. As far as just people helping each other without well, the blessing well, it, of government. Yeah. And the fact that you don't have, you don't have governments, local governments or state governments coming in saying, listen, if you're going to be in Cajun Navy relief, you need to take these yeah. three courses and pay right. the $35 fee. A couple of people put that forward and they slapped it off the table. They're like, no, people have to be able to do this. Right. So I think, you know, I, I think we've got a great side, you know, to, to look at of, you know, I don't know, blue pill, red pill, but I think if you're willing to take the red pill. Yeah, well, all, the red, all the 5% pill. of the population. 
Yeah, the red pill symbolizes um, the harsh truth that you, you're giving up the comfortable life and the comfortable lies. Well, right. That, it, you know, that yeah. ignorance is bliss. You know, this steak is not a steak and I love it for, yeah, for think, reality yeah. that you'd rather live in reality, even if it's right. even if it's a harsher reality, an uglier reality, uh, because right. that's that's the real. And I think in the safety world, you know, of, of these rescuers, they're saying we know that FEMA is not going to come and, and help us out. We know these counties and whatever that's they don't have the capacity. This is all just a myth that they have this ability to scale. They don't. But they're not standing in the way either. So yeah. if you take that red pill and you're willing to take on that risk of putting your own, you know, life um, in, in harm's way to help your neighbor and people are doing it. And, and I can tell you, I mean, I think it's I think it's a pretty cool thing. But yeah, may, may I ask a very right. cynical question? Yeah. The people that are helping people now in North Carolina, uh, is there any major metro area that this help is occurring? I, I don't know. I've honestly, Aaron, I haven't studied. Okay. Because like Wisconsin Dells and uh, I, I, I guarantee you, if you went to a major metro, there'd be no red pill charity. There'd be right. a bunch of assholes, a bunch of. Not Houston, though. Didn't happen that way in Houston. Cajun, yeah, the Texas. Well, the Cajun, Cajun Navy, Navy, yeah, but I'm talking like, right, you know, I don't think we're capable. We might have a couple people capable of a Dunkirk and say back in the olden days and what was it, 1939, you know, if if you weren't helping with the bailout or the, the rescue at Dunkirk, you damn well were for it. Today, I, I, I think at least half the population just wants to see the other half die. And, and and what what good remaining men and women, the Cajun Navy, who said, we don't need government permission. This is what we're going to do, red pill or not. Uh, they'll do it. But I think it's you, – you're, you're very – you have a very optimistic reading of the tea leaves. <laughs> very optimistic. I think people who are there will do it. But if they're separated at all, like if they're seeing it on the TV, the TV is someplace else. Or if they're seeing it on the internet, the internet is someplace else. I think there's that separation, and and maybe those people wouldn't come help. But I think it. I think I do think that human instinct, when you're actually faced with it, like if it's happening right in front of you, I think you you almost you're almost compelled to help. And and that so I'm sort of agreeing with both of you. <laughs> we got two more super chats. Um, I'll say the. The, the second one first, Cynic in Chief gave two bucks and says he'll hop in to talk about housing. So Okay, I'll, I'll, what is he on? Uh, I'll find him on Twitter, I think it is. And then, uh, so Twitter, check your Twitter, Cynic in Chief. Twitter. Uh, and then Mayo, Mayo's back with five bucks. Mayo from hey, Mayo. a couple of uh, podcasts. Uh, he says, Senor Clary. When are we going to rant about Justin Trudeau and my fellow communist Californians that I hold off daily? Ha, ha, ha. You know what? We, we should probably, um, because uh, I do want him to come on the show, let's have him, if we're broadcasting next week, let's have him come on the show. But I don't want to make this a regular thing until I master it. So I sent Cynic in Chief. The, 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 I'm sorry, I'm in the middle of sending that to Cynic. For the CIC. Yep. <laughs> what does that actually stand for? It's the CIC. It's the <laughs> something in government. No, I'm with the CIC. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe uh, when Mayo's on, 
uh, Canada and California could be a topic of conversation, huh? Yeah, what's he doing in Canada? Is he training well, with the Canadians? I don't know. He says, um, yeah, he says he's from California. So. There's Cynic. What's up, Cynic? Hey, guys. How things going? Good. Good. Welcome, Cynic. Welcome to the Older Brother Podcast. Yeah, you're talking about all these expensive houses. I'm like, eh, I paid way cheaper than <laughs> some of the prices you guys are talking about. Well, yeah, but you're down um, Indiana way or so. Yeah, southern Indiana area. Right, right. And then, so, wait a minute. Could you have bought across? If my geography serves me correctly, could you have bought in Kentucky and paid less taxes, or is it is just as well to stay on Indiana side? Um, technically, I could have gotten it cheaper down in Kentucky. The problem is getting across the river is a pain, and traffic is kind of nuts going across the river. They only so, got like one bridge or something. Yeah, they're they're spread out, so. Uh, one of my coworkers goes that way, but his is like a at least a half hour commute or up to a forty five minute commute. Hmm. So no, I just bought I bought next county over, and that's a ten minute commute. So no, there's there's nothing wrong. Like if you if you're living where you work, because you have other I don't want to divulge too much, but you have other um, reasons to be in that area uh, that keep you there. I've got um, relatives. I've got a family farm that I'll inherit one day. I'll, I've, I've got a lot of roots here. Right, right. And so it makes sense for you to stay. And yeah, great if it's cheap, but um, you know, I if if you if you don't have that, it's like kind of like, yeah, why would I live in in Indiana? Whereas the Black Hills, I mean, you you've you've been there. You've been through it. You've traveled the country, right? I actually haven't made it out to the back to the Black Hills You're yet. You're kidding. Oh, dude, Cynic, you got to go out there. I will once I replace my van, but my van's got 250,000 miles on it. I had to replace the alternator up in Canada in the middle of nowhere. So I've, you do, do you do it by hand? <laughs> uh, no, there was a mechanic. It, I broke it down right outside of a small town. So I'm, there was a mechanic shop there. I got it replaced. That's lucky. <laughs> if it was an hour earlier or an hour later, I would have been screwed. Well, let me, let me explain something to you, Cynic. Um, the Black Hills is uh, my favorite place in the United States. And there's so much stuff to do here. Now, propagandists and communists who don't know the area are going to tell you you have to see the Minuteman missile site, which is a complete waste of time, by the way. But if you want to make these old weirdos happy, you could stop at the Minuteman missile site. But I would strongly recommend against it. You didn't like that? I didn't I, even bother stop. What are we going to do? Look at a hole in the ground? It's No, no. The, the whole visitor center is really cool. It is. I thought. It's yeah, really I, cool. I, yeah, I was there a couple months ago. If you it was like right to, by the exit to uh, the the uh, Kadoka or not Kadoka, the Badlands was it the same exit? Yeah, yeah it's really near exit. there. Yep. Okay, All right. well and maybe on my way out, I'll look at it. It's, I thought it was great. I thought if you like to fantasize about nuclear Armageddon, it's a great place to visit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in Vegas. I mean, the nuclear testing sites are pretty close to there, isn't they? Yeah, but I don't know if you could tour them over. Um, was it Indian Creek or something like that? Um, they're to the north. Uh, yeah, the north, northwest. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm pretty but sure I don't you know can tour those. Tour can you? Yeah, I've, I've, I've read some stuff on Wiki Travel about the different. You can you can't get right up close to them because they're kind of just craters in the ground. But yeah, underground testing. Oh, shit. the hills well, have eyes, Clary. The hills have <laughs> eyes. <laughs> you guys know the XB seventy? It was no. like the predecessor to the B one B, a supersonic bomber. Yeah, I think so, yes. 
So two were made, and one crashed outside of Las Vegas. I looked up the crash site, and of course the feds went in there and swept it all up and blah, blah, blah. But there's still like pieces you could potentially find. And so I'm thinking, like, that'd be cool if I got a piece of the original XB-70 and made, like, a little pendant or something out of it. Just have a little bit of piece of history there. The, there's a lot of history out there in Vegas. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to see. I only got to spend a day there last time, but I'll, if I can ever get off, then I'll go down and visit there another time. Well, you're a busy employed man now. you got to contribute to the man. Yeah. <laughs> at, at least for another year then I'll hopefully have this place paid off and then I can go travel again cool how, not you don't have to answer this question but just because I know we know each other personally how how's the girlfriend or did that take off anywhere or did that ever ignite a fire or what uh which one <laughs> well you slut no I thought there was one. Oh, there was one um and then she got then I decided I was going to go travel around the country some more and she got a job down the Smokies and took off. So, and then I've, there's a college, uh, kind of a young college student I was talking to, and then she went off to college again. So I'm kind of by myself again. There are more girls out there. Plenty of girls out there. Oh, there's you've run across a bunch of them. Of course, you realize them. How many of them are uh, you don't want to date? <laughs> oh yeah, oh, I'm. I'm tell you guys. On. Yeah, I worked. It wasn't too long ago with with a lady, and. Uh, she rented a car and uh, anyway, she showed up at work and she had a, uh, like one of these small smart cars. And I was like, yeah, what happened to the car you're renting? And she's like, yeah, I turned it in and I was like 22,000 miles over my allotment. <laughs> so this is all I can afford now. <laughs> she like, overdrove oh, her lease by that much? Yeah. Yeah. She did. Yeah. I was like, how in the hell did you do that? And she's like, well, you know, I took these. T-. I'm like, how do you, how do you do that? So she's ending up in this like used smart car that she got for like four grand and it's this off color. It's just horrendous. I mean, but I, yeah, I'm like, how the hell, how the hell do you do that? I mean, not yeah, just D- over by a couple, like 22,000 miles over. DT is worried that people are going to get smart at any moment now and wake up and not go for 50 year mortgages or sign up for worthless degrees. It's <laughs> it, it, any second, the epiphany is going to happen. <laughs> Well, you know, hey, I was I was analyzing, you know, these uh, the college standards because I teach, you know, at the university level, and I was pretty uh, not pretty pretty critical. I mean, I was very critical. Um, they've the standards have gotten so I I don't I don't have a, a great way to describe them other than <laughs> all encompassing. Like people will learn to work with other people. Like they'll they'll you know recognize um, you know. It, in, inclusive opportunities for employment and different. I mean, it's, it's stuff that you could write any curriculum or goal to fit under this heading. And I was really critical of it. Like, so I have a book, you know, that's coming out as due to the publisher today. So, you know, here we go. So, uh, and I just ripped this and I said, this stuff is just, it's useless. I mean, we've got to, you know, people have got to learn some basic skills, whether it be money skills or whether it be, you know, that you can do a prioritization matrix in your life of like, you know, what are my top 10 things right now? Is it going to be house? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be whatever? But it is so 
why it, again it's it's you could fit anything under this in the document get this so the it's the university guiding document 45 states in the district of columbia has it 20 percent of the document is thanking the contributors to the document <laughs> honest to god i did a calculation of the pages that they were like thanking everyone that had participated in this thing 20 percent of this big document <laughs> is just thanking other people for contributing so your like books cap here at least 20 percent acknowledgements right where you thank people <laughs> i have god one almighty. page in the book you know and it has a few names in it but i mean no this thing literally 20 percent of the real estate is is out there you know and i and i said in the book i said it should come with an applause soundtrack if it's an audio it should just have constant applause in the back was your uh, was off. your critique well received I don't know. I mean, the book went to the publisher today. I, no, I'm sure. I'm sure it's absolutely not going to be. I'll tell you, though, the university I work with does not have this philosophy. Like, they sit down in summer and get the brass tacks of, like, what do people need to know that come out of this program? Um, so, you know, it is an exception. And uh, But, I mean, this stuff is I, it's, it's, it's absolutely useless. But what it is, as, as you're saying, I mean, it opens up the liberal arts programs the door wide open um and uh, i don't what, know low quality students well i mean you you could you could write any program you could write any course proposal and fit it within these categories like there's nothing in the world you could create that wouldn't fit under this overarching guide for what universities need to be instructing students right but that's but that's again you you are shocked at this, I'm angry I'm like, with it. I'm yeah, I'm furious yeah. You're you're, you're you're perturbed. Whereas I'm like, yeah, that's what the liberal arts has been. I'd say for almost thirty years now. the The liberal arts is for the retarded people, the people who are too lazy or too stupid to actually go in. And I'm, I know I beat the stem drum and all that, but the liberal arts is now becoming the catch all for like, okay, back in the olden days. If you went to college, that meant something. Now everybody has to go to college. And now college is like, what do we do with all the fucking retards? What do we do with the truly stupid people? Now we got to dumb it down and throw them into the liberal arts. And so it doesn't shock. And, and they're making money off of these idiot kids too. So it doesn't shock me uh, that, I mean, heck, just open up any course description and read a, a course description on sociology, women's studies, uh, interpretive English. Heck, I had somebody send me a, a request about Digital, digital technology and literature. You could major in this, and yeah, the classes useless. were all pablum. Yeah, completely worthless. But it's it's serving a, a I don't want to say a purpose, although it is a purpose, and that it allows people who just aren't smart, truly dumb, even uh, to imagine that they're in college and they're being professional. So it doesn't doesn't shock me at all. Does it just give people something to do? Is that where we're at now? Is just no, everything is just given. the The vast majority of people don't really truly contribute, other than being consumers, and so you got to give them something to do to it's, to fill the hours of their day. College is is more than that. I I wrote a post about it. How this is all these kids have. Like I I was trying to figure out why my book wasn't revolutionary, which by all means it should have been. And I'm not being arrogant or cocky. That book should have been the virus that stopped the Borg. You know, it should have been like this automatic, oh, hey, here it is. 
And I try to figure out why are people still going to college for worthless degrees? And it boils down to that they're going for the college experience. They have nothing else to look forward to. These kids are held prisoner from kindergarten through senior year in high school. They're not challenged. They're taught by our dumbest people, and teachers are the lowest IQ of the majors, especially elementary education. And they have nothing but college to look forward to. And so when you say, hey, you shouldn't go to college to major in this, you're taking away their birthright. That's all they have to look forward to. But I think – don't you think it is just – I mean the the powers that be would look at at it as, well, at least they're doing something other than – crime or burning down cities or getting high all the time or well, why, at least they're doing did, something slightly better than that in their retardation well, and getting these degrees and, no, and looking but, forward to this future. It's given them something to do. Well, okay, but uh, you can also have work gangs. I mean, there's work. You can make money and not go $100,000 into debt. I don't, I don't think academia and the powers that be are the slightest bit noble or helpful thinking, well, at least it keeps them off the streets. It's not that. They're charging them a thousand dollars a book, as Dr. Perodin pointed out. Um well the rich want people to pour their coffee for them. You know, they that's what they want. They you want don't, you then go <laughs> pour, pour coffee at 16 years old. You don't need to go to college. You don't even know go to high school for that. Yeah. Um hell, you barely need to do it for computer science anymore. I mean, I've learned more from Udemy and Plural Site and Acloud.guru and all these other websites that have video courses then i I mean i learned a bunch of math in college and classes like that but even with the degree i got i'm still learning more just going and buying it online yeah you can buy a 20-hour course from udemy for 10 bucks they're always running sales but isn't that the nature of your industry though i mean it's there's a new language you got to learn i mean if you just set you can't just sit and rest for three years you got to keep your skills current right uh, yes and no. Some people do sit on their sit on their butts for years, but that's usually in stagnant stuff. You want to if you want to keep on the new stuff and keep moving forward, then you have to keep on top of it. But yeah, you could become a COBOL programmer, and that hasn't changed since the '80s, and it still pays pretty well because it's a real pain language to learn, and nobody really wants to learn it. What's Fortran? Is that older than COBOL? Yeah, that's about, that's a little bit older. What's uh, the oldest or- one? Uh, I think Algol is the oldest one, and then what Fortran, and then COBOL. Okay, okay. I just like to be able to – when I get requests from people saying, what should, what program should I learn? I'm like, well, I mean, if you want to be old school, you certainly want to do Fortran, but no one – people are a little bit more updated with COBOL. I don't think there's – Then, a, then it about COBOL, makes it sound like business, I know what I'm talking about. There's a bunch of business apps all written in it, and nobody wants it, – it's ancient business apps that nobody wants to touch. Mm-hmm. So instead of rewriting it, which – they just hire the seasoned COBOL developers who well, there are a few of them around and, but they're in high demand because there's these apps that need to be maintained. Mm-hmm. Other cool. than that, there's no real reason to learn it. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's do a little bit of house cleaning. Everybody like the show. Go ahead. Like the like button. Uh, DT, we got any more comments or questions in? Well, the that, chat was all, that was all the super chats. Thanks for all the super chats there, guys. I really yeah, appreciate Jay, it. Especially uh, L, LJ Lyon, right? He was yeah, the guy. Oh, yeah. LJ Lyon giving you the dream ha- is half a week's half a week's wages or something. The, the, <laughs> the dream would be we get such a popular podcast going on that I make thousands of dollars per podcast on super chats, and then I just pay for my house in 
So next week, everybody donate $1,488. Right. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Real quick. I I heard that, Senate. I wanted to bring this up, and I didn't want want to make this a segment, but I did want to bring it up because it is important. Uh, I don't know if you know, but Roosh had nine of his books banned by Amazon. Yeah. And uh, for complete bullshit reasons, um, I've read Roosh's books. Uh, You could certainly say they're... Maybe controversial, but uh, books on how to get laid and date girls getting banned. Um, this was a hit by um, two wannabes over at the Huffington Post. And if you read the article at the Huffington Post, you see just how East German Stasi they are. They they are trying to get him deplatformed on everything. Um, and uh, these two people would be, I don't even remember their names, but if Amazon didn't kowtow to it, you know, if Amazon actually preferred to protect the freedom of speech and not ban or burn books, um, then none of this would be an issue. <clears throat> However, we're not going to sit here and mope. I don't believe in uh, having a therapy session. I believe in, in action. Um, I've already contacted two congressmen, one that I have uh, indirect contact with and my actual congressman uh, probably won't do anything. Uh, but you guys need to contact your congressman. And I'm going to be contacting the Democrat candidate running against my congressman saying, look, come on, you old school classical liberal. What the hell? You got to admit that this is this this needs to be in these big tech giants are monopolies. This is a they should be viewed as a public utility. I'm not saying regulate them as such, but let's have some things like you can't ban people's work. You just simply can't unless it's like pedophilia or something like that. Uh, so please contact your congressman. Um, don't contact Amazon. Don't contact Google. Don't contact YouTube. They're not going to respond. They're, they're going to send you a scripted email. Contact your congressman. Um, I know that may be futile, but uh, if enough people do it, maybe there will be a fire lit. Otherwise, I have no other recourse because um, I don't know what else to do. I'm sure if I had time to sit down and think things through, I've thought about employing 4chan. I did come up with one idea, but I'm going to leave that idea to myself. Um, you know, we, in the meantime, until we come up with a private sector response, uh, please contact your congressional representatives and tell them and use Rusha as an example. And then cite the article at the Huffington Post that you can search it. You'll find it and say, look at this. This is fucking Nazi bullshit. Mm-hmm. Now, knock it off with this. Well, they're a private company. Nerdy, nerdy, ner. Say, No. <laughs> and if you don't, I'm gonna go vote for the Democrat that will. Um, right. So, and that's They're it. Too big. They're too big. I mean, why? Why can the the reason why we're having trouble? The reason why we're resorting to call your congressman, which is usually the most worthless fucking thing you could do, is that these these companies are way too big, and there is literally nothing you can do. They are monopolies. Right. 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 But and I I don't we don't need to rehash this, and that's why I said and I I'm I could not fall asleep. I was so pissed off. Um, hmm. because it's, it's, it's burning books. It's banning yeah. books. I wouldn't want communist books to be banned. I wouldn't want women, how to screw men out of money books to be banned. It is so antithetical to being a classical American. It just pisses me off. And I, and I'm like, you know, this is about the only thing I could come up with. Um, and so, like I said, we're not going to rehash it about big tech and, monopolies and social justice war we, we've already been down that road so uh, let's save our time instead and contact your congressman uh, for playing 
for plan B, Bruce needs to take these to Castalia House and get them published through them. Is that an alternative to Amazon? That's Vox Day's uh, publishing house, and he publishes all kinds of alternative uh, books. And then he can sell, Rush can sell ebooks direct and then take it to Castalia to get it printed. Okay, Castalia, so, so Vox Day has a physical printing press? Oh, yeah, he's got, he, he publishes a lot of books, everything from uh, astrophysicist curriculum to science fiction to gardening books. Okay. So, yeah, he's, he's got a, publishing house Smart as well guy. as now comics that's okay that's his oh. latest thing okay. yeah I, Rush should be able to get those printed uh i mean he's he's already got the presumably typeset and formatted and proofread and everything like that so hopefully he'll be able to take it straight to vox at castalia and get that printed and then sold directly to their store because they've got a store right they sell through amazon then they've got a store direct okay then, no i i i, I definitely yeah, because you know I write books and I got to start thinking about okay, is the Black Man's Guide out of poverty controversy? I'd love to see somebody try to ban that one. I just love you know like if, and what's going to happen next? You know, is this you know so and if I'm going to spend time, if anyone's going to spend time writing books, do you want to go through Amazon now? Because it's a it's an endeavor. It's a lot of work to write a book. So uh, it's like yeah, we go through Castali, I guess instead. Um, and you know just hey, get, before get, we, we, mm-hmm. we Rolo Tomas, he's a friend of the show, right? Rolling. Sort of. He's hard to he's hard to get, but <laughs> okay. he's he, a very busy guy. He was on uh, Molyneux. Mm-hmm. Uh, Molyneux interviewed him, which I thought um, you know was was quite a step up for Rolo to to talk about the rational. He did a nice job. I just um, yeah, I was I was kind of surprised to to see that in the last week that Rolo had an exclusive with uh, with Stefan. So yeah, he Rolo's Rolo is like John, our, our own friend, Mister Steele. He's very He's very uh, shifty. He's very shady. You can't peg him down. Like I was in Reno and he lives out near there. I'm like, hey, you know, Rolo, I'm in town, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he would maybe text back, oh, no, I'm not going to, oh, it won't work. And oh, I thought you were coming this way. You're going that way. And, you know, it was almost like dating a girl. Like one in three of your texts would get answered. And they're like, well, am I bothering this guy or what? And then, you know, John Steele, like, hey, John, let's grab a beer. Crickets, you know, hey, John, you know, yeah. let's, let's go yell at Ann Sturzinger or tell her tits are flat. Oh, he's all, he's all over that. I saw that podcast. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Rolo was a little, um, you know, you could tell he was a little intimidated at first until he kind of got his talking points rolling. And and then, you know, it, it was, and Stefan was helping him kind of, you know, ease in and, and find his comfort level. But yeah, it, you know, I felt good for for Rolo, you know, that, that he was able to, to be on and talk about, you know, yeah, rational Rolo's mail in his other books. So, yeah. Um, what else? Um, Oh, let's do the uh, donations real quick. If you want to help out with the show, go to olderbrother.com slash donate. There's three ways to help out with the show. Patreon, you get nothing for it. PayPal, you get nothing for it. And then there's the Amazon affiliate link. Uh, you get something for that, namely the money that you would spend anyway buying stuff online through Amazon. I get a cut and a permission, uh, a percentage. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything more. So go ahead and do all your Amazon shopping through that site. And you now, can do it on your phone. You just have to go to, to the food. you have to go to the web browser. Go to captaincapitalismblogspot.com. Click on the Amazon banner, and you can even start the purchase and finish it on the app. But as long as you start the purchase from your phone through uh, captaincapitalismblogspot.com's link, then Aaron actually gets a commission off it. 
That's if the Amazon banner shows up on the phone. Look, all you young kids with your recently discovered pubes and your damn phone, just go like an old fart to the computer and just do it that way. It's way easier, way easier. I've always looked on my website and I can't see any links um, on the phone. So don't don't use should work phone. on the phone. I used it the other day. You're you're an IT genius, okay? <laughs> and then average people like me and everybody else, it doesn't show up on ours. And, and by the way, uh, Microsoft is extending Windows Seven um, patches, but you have to pay a monthly fee. Oh, really? And it'll be progressive every month it goes up. So yeah, yeah, this gets back. This gets back to the whole deal, man. This, they just fucking got you by the balls. You talk about going to Vox Day's site to you know buy your books there. That they'll just once they shut down things, they're just going to start shutting down fucking everybody. I mean, and and so that that's yeah. There's temporary fixes, but yeah, but they've got us by the balls. These fucking companies have got us by the balls. And and Cappy's right. You know, yeah, sure. These short-term fixes going to to wherever to buy your stuff, but you gotta you gotta put some pressure on these people that actually have the power to bust these fuckers up. Oh yeah, you're yeah. right, Cappy. Uh, go down to the bottom of captaincapitalism.blogspot.com on your phone and click view web view or view web version, and then it'll render normally. Then you got the Amazon banner there. Um. All right. Uh, we did that. Uh, Doc, where can people find you? safetyphd.com and uh yeah lessons of lore manhattan uh, went to the publisher today it'll be out in january so a ways to go but looks at uh the the real guts of what's happening with school safety it's a three billion dollar industry uh most of it is completely ridiculous um and you know I, I i point that out in the book so i mean if you've got kids or you know, relatives with kids, whatever, and you're just a taxpayer and want to know where your money's going. And the fact that we could do everything that we're doing for a fraction of the cost and be better at it, you know, think of, think of the book, but safetyphd.com. And when, uh, when does that audio version come out? So I don't have to read. Yeah, I know. I get, I am under contract with a publisher. So the publisher will, <laughs> I don't know. All right, so I'm going to have to read it. You, can you give me an advanced copy so like I read it? And I go, oh, yeah, yeah, Doc. Yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll give you – you got it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, you print it off. Don't it. email it to me because I don't want to have copies that you know might get hacked or, or float out on the interwebs. Have you ever gotten the program that's like the computer uh, reading program, Cap? <laughs> would, you, would you listen to that instead of read? You know, I, Oh, like it sounds like David <laughs> Hawking or Stephen Hawking? C-3PO talking at you. I downloaded uh, a software that would read a book, and it was very annoying. It's and I was terrible, like, yeah, right? It's horrible. <laughs> like yeah, listening to weather reports on the <laughs> shortwave. <laughs> uh, DT, hey, I looked up to see if you had a podcast. You did not. Uh, no, no. Yeah. I need to – what I'm trying to do – well, now I'm working full-time again, so the time's going to be limited. But I wanted to finish uh, Will to Power completely before I start talking about it. I figure okay. I should at least be that intellectually honest to do that so that I don't, you know, and I know where he's going at the end of the book. So, um, but that's what the podcast will be. It will be discussing uh, Frederick Nietzsche's uh, will to power and how it relates to today and how it still is relevant and kind of to try to reclaim it from the fucking white nationalists out there that, that and the Nazis that used uh, Nietzsche, I think wrongly, I think Nietzsche would have said, you're being worshipped by the herd. You're doing something wrong. They're Adolf. 
So um, that's going to be part of the part of it is I think nihilism and Nietzsche gets sort of a bad rap based on how his words have been used and misused in history. Wait, wait, hold it. Was he a, a Nazi or was he just cited by no. the Nazi? Because I know nothing about this guy. Yeah, he he died, I think, before the Nazis started coming to power. And his sister was a huge fan of Nazis. Okay. And, and so, um, and Hitler read his works. And, you know, I mean, the, their, their propaganda film is called Triumph of the Will for a reason. Oh. And, um, and so, yeah, the, I guess some of the translations, uh, Nietzsche did not want to publish Will to Power. Mm-hmm. And the way it was published back then, I guess his sister kind of massaged things a little bit. And, but I do think that the most recent translations are the most accurate um, from the original source. So he has been misused. And Could you imagine we go back in time and we hand Hitler a copy of Enjoy the Decline? He's totally <laughs> chill and relax and right. six million Jews don't die. There is no <laughs> war. Doesn't, uh, you know, send the whole world into flames. Stalin, so too. Yeah, still yeah, come Stalin. to power. <laughs> Uh, and Cynic, um, you want people to follow you on the Twitter? Go ahead, give a shout out for yourself there. Oh, I, I, I'm really not online much anymore. Um, I'm working overtime at work trying to launch a product, but uh, I, I'll post occasionally on akingscastle.com. We've kind of it went to hiatus for a while, and now we're back up with Are you back different up? authors. Okay. All right, we got that. Um, and then the shout out. Uh, look up John Steele's YouTube channel. Search John Steele S T John Steele Show. He hasn't had anything up either. You guys do know that if you have a show, you got to produce stuff, right? DT. Yeah. yeah. You know, I never mentioned it's happynihilist.net, right? No, you never <laughs> did. mention that. <laughs> that's, how, um, that's how on it I am. <laughs> and then, uh, then our other good friend, Ann Sturzinger, you can find her at annsturzinger.com. It's spelled the way it sounds with a Z. And I think that's it. Anything else, guys? Um, you mentioned uh, enjoy the decline earlier. I would highly recommend that if you're flipping out over co- uh, over politics one way or the other, read that and chill. Yeah, everybody should give me all your money by buying my books and hiring me at Asshole Consulting and donations and blah blah blah. But be like L.J. Lyon. Just give it to L.J. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, thanks L.J. I really appreciate it. I'm gonna go have a an ice cream. Because I am on vacation, I'm eating for absolute shit. I've been eating carbs and pizza and Chinese. And unfortunately, or fortunately, um, I still look the same. So I'm wondering if all my dieting before had no point and purpose. But um, It's not a tumor, Clary. It's not a tumor. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll see you guys later. Toodles. Yep. All right.